0: I've already told you what's going to happen tonight. The Lakers are going to win. LeBron is going to play huge. Anthony Davis is going to play huge. And the reason they're going to win is because that player doesn't lose this series. LeBron dribbles at CJ. Now steps back, shoots a three, and buries it. The Lakers lead by 30. The Lakers aren't going to lose this series. There's just no way. No one ever gets rich betting on things in sports that never happen.
1: He gets it ahead of LeBron. 45-footer by LeBron is good. I mean... This is an absolute annihilation. Lakers by 38. It's been an honor
2: to just put on the Laker uniform um, even before the passing of the great Kobe Bryant. I did notice the, that we were up 24 to 8. I was like, okay, uh, he's here in the building. So, you know, it was a, it's a beautiful beautiful night for our, for our franchise and something that, that we probably will always uh, remember. Greeting with Mike Greenberg. The
0: podcast. Yes, it is. Back in Better Than Ever, Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests on the shell Penzoil performance line, I told you, there is a clear-cut, far-and-away favorite in the NBA. There's a new sheriff in town, and it's the old sheriff in town. LeBron James and the Lakers are clearly the team to beat. What a difference a week makes. Trouble in the bubble for LeBron and the Lakers. Now there wasn't. They were the best team then, they're the best team now. There are very few hard, fast rules in sports, but one of them is this. If you have the two best players, you win basketball games. Basketball is not a sport where the two best players almost ever lose. LeBron James and Anthony Davis are the two best players. In every game they play, they will have the two best players on the floor. Every game. And so they do not lose. That team does not lose. Clippers are in trouble. Rockets are struggling. Jazz, who are you worried about? The Lakers are rolling all the way to the NBA Finals. Tim Legler this morning with me on Get Up.
3: I personally
1: think that there's still roadblocks in their way, but I think it's logical to say that they probably now have moved to the head of the class with the way that they've played. I think what happened to the Lakers was they just didn't have anything meaningful to play for in those eight games, and they were using it as preseason. And then the first game, they ran into a red-hot team that had just come off of basically playing eight playoff games. So they they got caught, and now they're starting to now match their intensity with their play.
0: This is a postseason unlike any other. The bubble has a million ramifications, and one of them is that Game 1 of a playoff series, which historically has meant everything— is now just another game in the series. I told you the day after it happened, it was a week ago tomorrow, that the Trailblazers didn't steal home court advantage. They just won one game. And that was the only one they're going to win. I have great respect for Damian Lillard. He's one of my favorite players. They're a really good team, and they would have been far better than the eighth seed had, had been healthy all year long. But they're done. Lakers are moving on. And again, the Clippers struggling. Rockets struggling. Jazz looked dangerous. Denver struggling. Who is it you're worried about? LeBron and Anthony Davis are cruising toward a conference final. And if the Clippers don't figure something out between now and then, if Paul George doesn't figure something out between now and then, the Lakers are cruising towards the NBA finals. Greeny with you presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $750 on average. You know, we are all professional overreactors. I was going through my notes Stuff I've saved over the course of the week and a half now that we've been doing the show. And there was a story last week after game one of this series. Trouble in the bubble. This is a headline. Trouble in the bubble. Struggling Lakers leave no clear-cut favorite in the West. Come on. Struggling? They hadn't played a meaningful game since before the coronavirus. They hadn't played a meaningful game since March. The Blazers were playing their ninth playoff game, 10th playoff game when they beat the Lakers. They have one more. The Lakers are the team to beat. That has not changed. Speaking of professional overreactors, last week I got yelled at for saying that if you were starting an NBA franchise right now and you could choose any person on the face of planet Earth to choose it with, that person would be Luka Doncic. And Jalen disagreed with me and Kenny Smith disagreed with me. And everyone sat there and told me, you got to start it with 25-year-old Giannis, not 21-year-old Luka. And then Luca has a game for the ages on Sunday, and now everyone agrees with me, including on my Twitter poll, cast your vote, at ESPN Greeny on Twitter, who would you start a franchise with between those two? Last check, it was 70-something percent, saying Luca. Keep the poll open for another hour or so. But I have another order of business for today. That's an easy place to start. The Lakers are the team to beat. Of that, there is no question. That's an easy place to start. But my next order of business today is that I need to solve a problem because I'm just the person to do it. And Charles Barkley knows that.
2: Just like most people, Greeny, we're not going to appreciate your brilliance until you're
0: gone. Well, thank you, Charles. But you're going to appreciate it now. Yesterday, I got everybody all upset with my thoughts on the process, which I hated because the process is organized tanking. That's what it is. And tanking is the worst thing in sports. It is a blight. Upon sports, It is an affront to the sensibility of every reasonable sports fan. And the worst thing about it is that generally it works. Because the biggest mistake ever made in organized sports was incentivizing losing. This idea that we would somehow try and make everyone kind of equal by giving the worst team the first pick. Terrible idea. Terrible. Because suddenly we created a circumstance where being terrible is a positive. Losing should never ever have positive ramifications never there should never be a time where any team plays a game in an organized sport for which people are paying money to sit and watch where it is beneficial to either team to lose that must never happen adam silver is a genius he's one of the smartest people i've ever talked to i know him reasonably well he's a genius and he is trying they have attacked this problem effectively They've gone after the ping pong balls, they've changed the structure of the lottery, it's a good start. But I'm taking it way farther today. I present for you the greeny plan. Here we go. This is how you solve the problem of anyone who gets the idea to become the next process, the next tanking, the next we're going to lose so we get the best player. We must put every team in the lottery, or I should say every team that is in the lottery should have the same chance. Of getting the first pick. Same chance. No advantage. Worst team, first team, everybody in between. They all have the same chance of winning. So enough of this. We don't, need, we don't need ping pong balls. Let's go back to the envelopes. Let's go back to Red Auerbach picking the envelope out of that drum that had the Knicks logo on it. And that's how they got Ewing. Let's go back to that. No more ping pong balls. Everyone has the same chance. And here's the thing. We're adding teams to the lottery. And I'll tell you why. Because if the Orlando Magic, the Brooklyn Nets, probably one or two other teams, had the option this year of going into the lottery or going into the first round of the playoffs, they would have chosen the lottery. And as a consequence, they would be incentivized to lose at the end of a regular season had there been a regular season the way we're accustomed to this year. Can't have that. I never want a game in which either team wants to lose. It should never be better to lose than to win. So here's who's in the lottery. 22 teams. All those who miss the playoffs and all those who get eliminated in the first round. So the teams that are not in the lottery are the teams that make it to the second round of the playoffs. And you seed them from there. And then you have some random way of choosing amongst those 22 teams. No team would rather lose a playoff series at a 1-22 in chance of getting the first pick in the draft. They'll all be playing in the playoffs to try to win. And if you get knocked out of the first round of the playoffs, you still have a chance. So you're better off making it to the playoffs, giving your fans a thrill, selling a few more tickets. Everything about that is better than missing the playoffs. So I believe we have solved the problem. If we consider tanking to be a problem, and how can you not? I believe this solves it. And the eight teams that remain, they're going to win a championship. They're playing for a championship. They will be playing to win every single night. So I think we have a pretty good solution. You open the lottery to every team that misses the playoffs and those that get knocked out in round one, that's 22 out of 30 teams. Each of them has the same chance of getting the first, second, third, fourth pick, and so on and so forth. No advantage, no disadvantage. Losing is never the best option. That's my plan. I'd like to hear from you on this. Please tweet at me. Just use the hashtag Greeny. Hashtag Greeny. Greeny with a Y. We will go through them and we will read them as we go through the morning. And then a little bit later in this hour, I'm going to open up the phones and get your thoughts. The phone number is 888-SAY-ESPN, but don't jump on that line yet. I'll tell you when to call because you'll be holding for a little while. Because i got Winhorse coming up. i got a few guests. And then we're going to circle back and we're going to talk about this towards the end of this hour. But the tweets I'll start reading immediately. Hashtag greenie. what do you think of the plan? 22 teams in the lottery, all of them have the same chance to get the first pick. Straight Talk Wireless has the full court cell phone coverage that you need. Just 45 bucks a month gets you the unlimited plan with 25 gigs of high-speed data, then 2G for up to 50% less than the big carriers. Only at Walmart, savings may vary. See terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. Coming up, I will tell you who the next coach in Philly should be. I will tell you who it absolutely shouldn't be. And we'll get the answer to the question, can anyone stop LeBron? Brian Winhorst will answer those questions and more as he joins me next. I'm just getting started. I'm Greeny. This is ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast.
1: The Philadelphia 76ers have fired their coach, Brett Brown. You've had
0: three or four years with Joel Embiid healthy, with Ben Simmons in the lineup, and this is what happened.
4: Ellen Brand's going to continue to oversee basketball operations. Coaches usually get fired when the stars don't show up. I can't stand this. At what time are we going to start holding the players accountable,
0: especially when
4: they have the ability?
0: lot of opinions being thrown around the Philadelphia 76ers who are summarily swept out of the playoffs on Sunday. I'm Greeny. I'm presented by Progressive Insurance. And the man with all the answers is our NBA insider extraordinaire, Brian Windhorst, who's with me on the Shell. V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. He's with me on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Sign. Hello,
4: Wendy. All the answers. I don't think so. What's that? Say that again? I don't have all the answers, but I'll try.
0: Okay. Yes, you do. You, you, you sell yourself short. You do have all the answers. And the first answer you're going to give me is who are they going to hire? Who is going to get the job of figuring out how to put together Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and come up with a championship formula?
4: Well, look, I mean, I think there's some names that are out there. Obviously, Ty Lue's name is out there, but what they need, uh, Greeny is they're going to, you know, if you look at the personalities of their players, Ben Simmons, Low-key, hugely talented, very low-key and quiet. Joel Embiid, while he's aggressive on social media and, you know, is known to trash talk on the court, generally sort of a passive-aggressive character, not, you know, take the team by the horns uh, out vocal leader. Al Horford, Tobias Harris, high character, highly talented, respected players, neither of them leaders, really going to control the locker room. So you're going to need somebody who can grab those players and get them to follow. And so my guess is that you're going to need a coach who's number one, got some experience. I know Ime Udoka, who's there, who's there been their uh, associate head coach uh, is going to probably be a candidate. He will be a candidate some elsewhere. Um, But I don't know if, I think you, you might need the guy who's got experience who can get into the players and sort of get them uh, to sort of play a certain way because one of the things that happened was Brett Brown, everybody likes him, everybody appreciates that he's a good guy, but he just could not sell what he was, what he needed to do to that team. And so that's got to be job one as they look for a coach.
0: And is that someone, Ty Lue?
4: I think Ty can do that. I think, you know, one of my favorite stories about uh, – his tenure in Cleveland was that he got into a screaming match with LeBron James at halftime of game seven of the 2016 finals where LeBron walked out on him, cussed him out. Um, he's, 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 he does that work behind the scenes. He's not the type of guy to go crazy on the sidelines. I think Ty can be that guy, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you what Greeny, um, even if they do hire a coach like that, they've then got to go out and get at least one veteran player. He doesn't have to be a superstar. They, don't, they can't afford it, but he's got to go get somebody to also back him up on the court. I'm In my view, they need a three-part plan. One, you've got to hire a coach who can get into the players, as I mentioned. Two, they've got to trade either Tobias Harris or Al Horford for shooting to balance their roster and uh, to clear out the logjam of power forward. I do believe there's deals out there that could happen. And then, three, got to get a veteran leader, ideally a veteran leader point guard who can help that coach get those guys in line. You could say, you, go over there. You, go over there. You, take this shot. If they do that, um, and I think all those things are possible, this team could turn around very quickly. But it's going to have to be something that, that gets done right.
0: I knew that story, Brian, because I read it in your book, Um, about Ty Lue cursing out LeBron James uh, during the NBA Finals against Golden State. Meanwhile, I want you to hear something Bruce Bowen said today on my show, Get Up, because when we were looking at the Brett Brown situation, and take it for what it's worth, Brett Brown was his assistant coach in San Antonio. They're very close. He, He was defending Brett Brown, but I think he was being sincere when he... He said this about Joel Embiid. If he would have had a vested superstar in Joel Embiid, things wouldn't be this way. Somebody that takes ownership of the fact that you are the go-to guy on that team, that comes into camp in shape, that understands that he has to make others better, that's why he's a max player. I think the accountability is not being placed where it should be, and we need to start
2: holding superstars accountable to being better players on the floor.
4: Is that fair? I mean, first off, Bruce Bowen is going to support Brett Brown, who was his assistant coach for years in San Antonio, no matter what. So I'm not surprised that Bruce would support Brett Brown. I do think that Joel can do better. I do think that he is one of these guys who says, give me the ball, and then turns into half speed and bead when things don't go so well out on the court. I do think he's a guy who says, I've got to be better, and then doesn't always maintain his conditioning. Um, I mean, I do think there's partial truth to that, but I also think that the failure of this 76ers team and Greeny, this is as big of a failure of a team as pretty much, I would say, the 2012-13 Lakers, when they traded for Steve Nash and Dwight Howard and then were out in the first round and had 45 wins. This has probably been as big of a failure since that team. And so I think there's a lot of people that have this on their hands, and I think there's a lot of people who need to improve, and Joel is certainly one of them, but I'm not going to put it all on his doorstep.
0: The NBA playoffs are on ESPN Radio tonight. Kawhi and the Clippers take on Luka and the Mavs, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins 8.30 Eastern on most of these ESPN Radio stations. With that in mind, I just saw coming across in the last few minutes, uh, Wendy, that Porzingis is listed as out again for tonight, so Porzingis will not play Game 5 tonight. Give me a quick thought on, on that series, where they are, and what you expect to happen in the best of three.
4: Yeah, that is just really concerning long term for the Mavericks because this team is built on the reality of Luca pairing with Porzingis, and one of the reasons the Knicks traded Porzingis, I mean, we could go over that for the next two hours, and we could argue about whether it was smart or not, but one of the reasons they traded him was because they were worried about his injuries, his injury future. And so he's, he's had a number, a number of injuries this year. And, and again, this knee is worrisome, more worrisome is that he was listed as questionable two hours ago. And then he's listed it out, you know, later without even testing it. That that's worrisome, but, but, but Greeny, the performance that Luca gave on that ankle on Sunday was one of the most shocking things I've seen in my 17 years covering the NBA. I have seen hundreds of sprained ankles. I have seen guys play through injuries. I have never seen a guy turn his ankle that badly and then return to play like that. It was stunning. And so my common sense says there's no way that that ankle can allow him to keep playing this way. Um, But I have to suspend that because I've never seen something like this. So I am going to be glued to that game because Luka is like a, a moth to a flame right now. I, I have to see him. Um, Overall, when you look at the series, do I wager that Paul George is going to continue shooting 20% as he has over the last three games? No. Do I wager that Montrez Harrell, a guy who's been a bruiser and a vitally important part of that team, is going to be contributing next to nothing to that team as he has uh, for the last few games? No, I do not. Do I think Trey Burke um, and, uh, and Seth Curry are going to continue shooting 70% as they did for the Mavericks in the last game? No, I do not. So if I'm making uh, guesses, I would say that the Clippers should rise up and retake control. But certainly, if you're the Clippers, you have to be very concerned because it's not just about getting through this series. They were built to win four rounds. And this is a challenging opponent, but this is not how they thought this would go.
0: Completely agree. I, I I agree with everything you said. I think George will play a lot better. I think they will win this series. But some flaws, I think, have been exposed. I have to run, Windy. Thank you, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. Have a good day, Brian Winhorse with me here. Greeny, with you. Coming up next, an NFL star is going to go on a scorched earth tour of the sport this season. Greeny, the podcast. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we continue on ESPN Radio. I'm Greeny. I'm presented by Progressive Insurance. Is Greg ready to go? All right, he did a terrific job with me this morning on Get Up. He's becoming uh, one of my absolute favorite football analysts. Great insight into both the NFL and the college game. It's Greg McElroy on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. Greg, hello again. And we talked uh, this morning about a player who I believe is ready to go on a scorched earth tour. There's one thing I've learned covering sports is that when you doubt the great ones, the great ones tend to make you look stupid. And I think Aaron Rodgers is coming back this year to try and make a lot of people, including those in his own organization, look stupid. And you were a big part of convincing me about that with a good tape that you did this morning. I'd love you to explain to those who didn't get a chance to see it here what it is you saw on the tape about Aaron Rodgers and what you think it means for the season he's going to have.
1: Well, Greeny, if you go back to some of his best football, I mean, he was so authoritative in the pocket that he'd hit the top of his drop. You know, you think about that three-step drop out of the shotgun. He hits that top of the drop. He loads his weight in his back leg that's away from the line of scrimmage, and he would step up with conviction. And as a result, when he would deliver the football, I mean, we're talking about velocity that is unrivaled compared to a vast majority of quarterbacks in the NFL. Well, what we've seen actually last year was him kind of retreating in the pocket a little bit and throwing far too often off his back foot. Now, it doesn't mean he doesn't still be able to throw miraculous throws. I saw I was watching a bunch of tape yesterday. He threw a ball down the left side to Alan Lazard against the Detroit Lions off his back foot that was ridiculous for a touchdown. But you can't do that as consistently. So I think he probably went back and said, man, I'm throwing way too much arm right now. i got to get more of my body into it. As I get a little older, I'm not going to have the same velocity, so I'm going to need a little bit more from my legs. And If, in fact, that's the type of Aaron Rodgers, we see that 2010 playoff run version of Aaron Rodgers, look out NFL because him with a chip on his shoulder, having found his techniques and fundamentals, it could be a really scary thing for teams in the NFC North.
0: I'm with you. Sometimes those guys can be their own worst enemy when they're talented enough to let their fundamentals get sloppy and still succeed. You see it happen. And so if he's going back to where it began, and this whole conversation began because he said he was looking at 10-year-old tape and didn't say what it was. So we had Greg look at 10-year-old tape and try and guess what he was looking at. And that's the conversation that ensued. I believe he's going to be brilliant. Speaking of aging quarterbacks, I wanted to share another conversation we had this morning about Tom Brady and the numbers that that, Hembo, that you and Hembo put together on Jameis Winston, on the, what, the position he put the Buccaneers' defense in routinely last year, and why all Brady has to do is value the football, and this becomes a playoff team immediately. Well,
1: Green, they, were, they weren't that far off last year. I mean, that's the thing that's, that's remarkable, that given the fact that their defense faced 199 drives, 199, that's the most in the NFL because Jameis was constantly giving them extra possession. Jameis also threw an NFL high seven pick sixes including including pick sixes that were the deciding score in two games and just to make it even just a little bit worse because we know field position and turnovers are two of the biggest aspects as to why you win or lose games and They had 15 drive starts by the opposition that were inside nearly the red zone, inside the 30-yard line. So you get the ball at the plus 30, you are guaranteed at least a field goal, guaranteed with an NFL kicker. Uh, And it's just amazing when you go back and look at just how careless Jameis was. Now, don't get me wrong. He did a couple nice things. Numbers stand out. I mean, there's there's some things to like, but if you just take – and cut those turnovers in half, which I think is extremely likely, I think it's even more likely that it could go down by a third from 30 picks down to 10, then you could see a situation in which three or four, maybe five more games are being won by a team that has a ridiculous amount of talent surrounding Brady, probably the best talent, He's had in quite some time, maybe dating all the way back to 2007 yep. when think- Randy Moss arrived. So, I mean, it's it's I think it's a really interesting mix, and of course, he's probably going to throw more picks than he has in New England because he's in a quarterback empowered offense. But to think it's going to be anywhere near what it was with Jameis last year is ludicrous, and that's why I'm just so high on what this might this marriage might mean for Tampa Bay and Tom.
0: Me too. If it weren't for the truncated offseason and all the irregularities, I would pick them to win the division as it is, I think they may start slowly, but get hot, and I think they will be as good as any team in the NFC, maybe the NFL by the end of the year. Greeny and Greg McElroy with me on ESPN Radio. All right, I want you to hear something that your old coach said um, at Alabama, and that's Nick Saban. He was on with me, and you jumped in last week, but he was on, he did a press conference yesterday, and he was talking about how badly he wants to play, and who he wants this season to be played for.
2: This is about the players. Everybody acts like, you know, we want to play for the money. We want to play for the players. I want to play for the players. We have a lot of guys on our team that can create a lot of value for themselves by playing this season. We can create a lot of value, and these guys have worked very hard to try to create and accomplish something as a team. You know, all those things, to me, are important to the players, and I want to play for the players.
0: I know people will roll their eyes when they hear that, I fully believe it. I I believe that Saban, Look, this is a man who's made all the money he's ever going to need. I believe that Saban is being sincere when he says that he coaches at a school. However, where I was just reading a story that there were over 500 positive tests uh, since the students came back to school. And we saw those photos that were out there. And I know the athletic director tweeted some thoughts about everyone. If you want the football team to play this fall, you better start being careful and social distancing and masks. And I just don't know that that stuff is going to happen on college campuses. So you've got the 500-plus tests, you've got Saban saying how desperately he wants to play for the players, and we know how much money is at stake. What's going to happen here, Greg?
1: I think we're going to play. Uh, I I absolutely believe it. I feel as good about it today as I have at any point in the last several weeks because, yes, while the numbers are staggering, 560 positive tests from Tuscaloosa – they tested, I haven't gotten an exact number. I've heard an excess of 30,000 tests. So, I mean, the positive rate is still relatively low. But then again, Greeny, uh, what Saban's describing is so accurate because those that have been close to the program or any program for that matter, the type of value that you can create by being associated with a team that might win a national championship. I'm not talking, it's easy to look at the value that Joe Burrow created last year going from a seventh round pick at best to the first overall pick he created $35 million and obviously we'll be able to never have to pay for a drink in the, in the state of Louisiana ever again, or a meal for that matter. Uh, But if you look beyond that, every single one of his teammates created a ridiculous amount of value for themselves because they have a national championship ring that they'll be able to carry around with them for the rest of their life. Whether they play in the NFL or not, that's value. And also, too, to manage your brand and to play when so many eyeballs will be paying such close attention, knowing how starved we are for sports, that's value. So I think Saban's sincere. I think most coaches recognize how hard the players have worked and how much they've sacrificed, and they want to give them the opportunity to showcase their talents. And, and I really believe that most coaches that have been pushing for a season, are there some that might have selfish interests? Sure. Uh, naturally, they're being paid a lot of money to coach football. But at the end of the day, I think you get into coaching, not to get rich, but because you care about making guys improve and reach their potential. I think that's where it starts. And and I really believe a lot of the coaches that have been really outspoken and adamant about having a season.
0: I do too. And I hope that they're able to play and I hope – that it winds up being the right thing to do. Greg, it was great fun both this morning and now. We'll talk to you soon. Greg McElroy with me here. And don't forget to listen to ESPN Audio at home on your smart speaker. ESPN Audio at home brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Vans. Drive a Mercedes-Benz van and find out how far an extra mile really goes. From customization and service to financial assistance, Mercedes-Benz vans are ready for anything. My phone number is 888-SAY-ESPN. This is the time to call on the new Greeny plan to solve the NBA's biggest problem. If you heard it, I want your reaction. If you didn't, I will explain it next. I'm Greeny. This is ESPN Radio.
3: Greeny, the podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y.
0: Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. I'm on TV on ESPN News. Delighted to have you with me, delighted to be back, and it is time for Straight Talk brought to you By straight talk wireless, because I perceive the NBA to have a problem. I talked about it yesterday in the form of the process. All the process really was and what offended me about it. So was the first really famous example of organized tanking in sports. And tanking is a scourge. It is the worst thing in and about sports. And so I decided it's not enough, I think, just to complain about a problem. You should offer a solution. So I did. And Charles Barkley knows. Just
2: like most people, Greeny. We're not going to appreciate your brilliance until you're gone.
0: So here's the issue. Here's the solution to this problem. Adam Silver, who is a tremendous commissioner and an incredibly smart guy, has taken a step towards reforming the lottery. I'm now suggesting we take it multiple steps farther. I am suggesting a 22-team lottery. Every team that misses the playoffs plus the teams that lose the first round all wind up in the lottery and they all have the same chance of getting the first pick. 22 envelopes get pulled out of somewhere. Enough with the ping pong balls. Just choose some way where every team has exactly the same chance of picking first, second, third, fourth, all the way to 22nd. That way, in my estimation, there will not be a single game played in the NBA in which it'll be better for a team to lose than to win. So, for example, and again, you can tweet at me. Just use the hashtag Greeny. Hashtag #Greenie, and I will see them. At JP Rug tweets, I love your NBA lottery idea, but take out the playoff teams. Losing in the first round doesn't mean you should have a lottery opportunity. Give every non-playoff team an equal chance, and that is enough to disincentivize tanking. JP Rugg, I don't agree, and I'll tell you why. Because I think there are teams like the Nets this year and others who have no chance of winning a championship that the last couple of weeks of a season may look at it and say, hey, I'd rather have a shot at the first pick than get into the playoffs and just get my head handed to me in round one. That's why I think you're better off incentivizing those teams to win, get into the playoffs, sell some tickets to a few more home games, make a few more dollars for your owner and your team, your organization. Everything about getting into the playoffs is better than not getting into the playoffs if you still get into the lottery. My goal is to make every game matter, that you would disincentivize, truly disincentivize losing, that losing is never better than winning. B. Hoffman tweets at me. At the end of the day, the process gave Philly two all-stars under 25 and the ability to add two additional max contracts. Hinkie's replacements just blew it on Al Horford and Tobias Harris. This team will still be 50 wins for years despite management failure. Yes, B. Hoffman nine twelve. That's right. That's the problem. The worst thing about tanking is it works. They just didn't do it particularly well. They they gave up midway through. They sent not sent out the guy whose idea it was. Brought in new people, and they blew it. They, they made a lot of terrible decisions. They do have two excellent players, and they probably will be good. If, if Embiid stays healthy, they'll be very good for a while. That's what I'm saying. It's the problem. Tanking works if you incentivize losing, and that's a terrible thing. Everyone should be insulted by it. We should create a system where losing is bad and winning is good. How complicated is that? What could possibly be simpler than that? Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. Let's take some calls on this. Stu Pack in Detroit is up with me here. You're on ESPN Radio. Stupak, what do you think?
2: It's Stupak, bro, Stupak. Well, what Stu up, Park. though, man? You tell me. I think, uh, yeah, I was going to say, I think you should let all the teams be in the lottery. And I have my percentages rolling down, but I don't got it with me right now, but you let all teams be in the lottery. But instead of it being the top four protected, the worst three teams in the league go no less than eight, nine, and ten, and you mm-hmm. make the top seven picks be a part of the lottery. So, so we, that way, it'll make picks more valuable down the line when uh, valuable playoff teams trade picks. They'll actually be worth something instead of knowing they'll be in the late twenties.
0: So you would keep, for example, the team that wins the championship would have the same chance of getting the first pick as as a team that didn't make the playoffs.
2: No, no, no. I have the percentages a little bit different. Like they might have it. a two percent chance. The teams who make it to the finals are have a two percent chance. Maybe the teams the last four teams that make it to the conference finals are have like a three percent chance. And it, it's just a little chance though. It wouldn't be like a high chance. Understood. And then the worst team still had like the say the five worst teams might have a ten percent chance.
0: I got you. But 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 so so I just wanna be clear because I don't have all your numbers in front of me and I'm 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 not sure I would understand them fully anyway. Um are you giving a much better opportunity? Are you giving, I guess what I'm asking you is, are you still giving teams reason to want to lose games late in the season rather than win them?
2: No, it was, but with less than a percentage. And then, like I said, you wouldn't be guaranteed, like if you're the worst team, you'd be guaranteed the fourth pick. No, you would get guaranteed like the eighth pick. If you didn't get any of those balls, then you guarantee, like, the A for the 9 for the tenth pick. Here's what you do. which where you rank right there.
0: Stupak, I'm going to put you back on hold. Someone get his get these numbers, and we'll look at them, and we'll see if it makes sense. Because it's too, it's too confusing. Someone get an email address or something like that for him and have him send us those numbers. Because I want to see exactly what it is that you've put together there, Stupak. Because I, I I like the concept, but I need to see it. Because I'm very bad at math, and there's no way in the world I'm going to grasp at this quickly. Uh, who is next here? Is, is there another call on there, Nuno, or no? Is that it? I'm looking on a screen here. Are these tweets or is this is this do we have another phone call? Oh, just tweets. Okay. what's on your mind is brought to you by my computer career training for a better life. Eight, 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 say ESPN is the phone number. Matic Monday tweets at me. I'm sorry, but that's insane. The 22 teams all get the same chance of getting the first overall pick. So if the Clippers somehow lose to the Mavs, they potentially get the first pick. The whole point of the worst picks first general idea is parody. Are you just anti-parody? Yes. And now you're understanding, Matic Monday, what I'm saying. I am not nearly as in favor of parody as I am in favor of disincentivizing losing. Yes. If the Clippers get knocked out, do you, are you telling me at Matic Monday that you think the Clippers would purposely lose this series to the Mavericks in order to try and get the first pick? The Clippers are trying to win the championship. I'm trying to make teams want to win. I'm trying to make teams want to win the games they play. I don't think that's so complicated. And if it works out that the Clippers wind up getting in the lottery, then okay, so be it. They got knocked out in the first round of the playoffs. Just how good were they? There were always going to be imperfections in anything. But at the end of the day, I still think it accomplishes the point. The point is to make teams want to win, not lose. Lawrence White tweets, Tanking works for everyone other than the Knicks for the last 20 years. Like the plan, though, no more incentives to losing. Yeah, the Knicks are a great example of how you get this thing completely wrong. But generally speaking, tanking, the thing I dislike most about it, and we've seen it rear its ugly head just a tiny little bit in football, it has been a huge problem in baseball and a huge problem historically in basketball since the beginning of the process, and silver, as I said, has tried to address it. The problem is that it goes against absolutely everything that we as sports fans have a right to expect. We don't have a right to demand almost anything as fans. The one thing they are obligated to give us is their best effort. If you take that away, then what do we have? You have to believe they have to want to win. That should be the most important consideration, and I'm totally comfortable with it. All right, Mike Breen is going to join me as we continue here. Bruce Bowen will jump in. And up next, we will talk about a huge statement that explains exactly what is at stake in the next four weeks. That's on the way, ESPN Radio.
2: Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can get more from Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN News. And don't miss Greeny on Get Up every morning at 8 Eastern on ESPN. Greeny, the podcast.